right. I'm excited. You guys, uh, you can open up to Romans 14. Actually, I'm going to pray real quick. You guys can stay seated. That's fine. Lord God, I just uh, want to lift up this time, Lord, that um, you would humble our hearts for what you want us to hear today, Lord, that you would um, shut the ears up of anybody that um, if I say something that um, is not of you, Lord, that you would um, just fix that, Lord. Lord, I just, uh, I'm asking for you to speak through me for our little church here just to hear the words that you would have us hear and uh, that you would get all the glory. I thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, about a year ago, um, or actually recently, uh, Doug, we were having an elder meeting or something, and I don't know how this even came up about this date, and I, and I said, well, I, Romans 14, kind of, and with the calling passage, kind of resonate with me, so I said, I, I would like to do that. And then, uh, you know, so here I am. And uh, <coughs> excited. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, who was here last time I, I preached? Well, thank you for still coming. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, but no, here's where we're going to go. We're going to focus a little bit, or quite a bit, on the conscience today. We're going to talk about that. It's been coming up in the prayers and, of course, the calling passage. Um, you know, what it is to us, you know, personally and how, how we function with that. And we're going to talk about how it impacts our brothers and sisters and then how does the gospel apply to those two things? So that's kind of where I'm, I'm taking us. Um, if the last year and a half, you know, cross-train isn't uh, traditionally been one that we spent a long time in a book, but uh, as, as a lot of you are aware, we've been in um, the book of Romans almost a year and a half now. And the first 11 chapters of the gospel of Romans is all about what the gospel is. And, uh, you know, Paul took 11 chapters, what he took in, you know, two verses in, you know, 1 Corinthians, that he, Christ died, he was, um, yeah, died, raised for the, paid for our sins and raised from the dead. He said that very concisely right there, but in Romans, I love the depth that it gets into and in going through this. I think I might prefer Ephesians, the first three chapters, because I'm just a little uh, short attention span, but I really do enjoy that. These... Next, the, from 12 to 16 to the end of Romans, 12, I think Doug and Jeff tag-teamed that a little bit, and basically that we're to offer up ourselves. Now that we, here's what the gospel is, now what do we do with it as, as believers who believe in the gospel? And that chapter 12 talks about going and living a life that's sacrificial, and how do you use your gifts that the Lord has given you to serve the body? And then I loved what Doug did with chapter 13, it just resonated with me that you know, we're to, um, you know, the authorities that God has put in place, you know, our government, that there's certain things that, you know, we, you know, we have to respect them on, you know, for who they are up until the point that they tell us to contradict what the Word of God says. And, uh, you know, but as far as persecution goes in America, you know, as Doug so well said, you know, what was going on in Rome by Christians being killed and impaled and burned and all those things, that... Um, we have nothing at this point of what we're going through in America. And then we come to 14. So that's where I wanted to talk to you guys about. It's, it's talking about now, 
How is the gospel applied to our lives on us denying ourselves of our preferences in favor of and thinking about our brothers and sisters in Christ? So the main training thought, is that up there? Put that main training thought up there. Romans 14 is asking, are we aware of our own decisions and how they affect our fellow believers, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? So point one, um, our conscience, is it up there, point one? Oh, look at that. What is it? What is its purpose? And how is it different than the Holy Spirit? I'll touch on that Holy Spirit one just a little bit at the end of this first point. Um, but even verses, you know, we've, we've heard it a couple times today in a couple different ways. People weak in faith versus people strong in faith. And it's, it's a very subjective thing of how God weaves in and out of that. And, you know, even though the text is talking about food and drink and how we, the things that are going, you know, those things. In our world, it seems like it goes to a deeper level than just um, food and drink, Right. So we're going to talk a lot about that in the third point. So what I want to do, though, and, and real quick, our culture, um, as far as our conscience goes, you know, and not just our culture, but even how we were raised, you know, our consciences are, are let me just read this real quick. I'm going to read the story because I'm going to get into our conscience here. I'm going to read a story that I heard years ago because I was impacted by a message on my conscience probably 10, 15 years ago and have heard several since. And the reason I wanted to preach this message today is because it really did impact me and my walk on how I handle the things that we're going to talk about. So, let me, let me read this as an illustration. In 1984, an Avianca Airlines jet crashed in Spain. Investigators studying the accident made an eerie discovery. The black box cockpit recorders revealed that several minutes before the impact, a shrill computer-synthesized voice from the plane's automatic warning system told the crew repeatedly in English, pull up, pull up. The pilot, evidently thinking the system was malfunctioning, snapped, shut up, gringo, and switched the system off. Minutes later, the plane plowed into the side of a mountain and everybody was killed. God has given us an internal warning system, and that warning system sounds off when we violate the law of God that's in us. The conscience isn't, it isn't the law, okay? It just affirms the law that God has put in there or gives us those warning signs. That vital warning system is either giving us feelings of, well, it's either telling us to pull up, pull up, or it's... The con that warning system is either giving us feelings of affirmation of us that they're good things, or it's telling us to pull up and avoid that. Hey, look, put up Romans, that Romans verse there. Um, no, yeah, that's it. You're right. I apologize. You're right. So listen to this real quick. Where, this, where do I get this, this whole thing from? Even the Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. So that first part there, even the Gentiles, non-believing people, he says, do not, do not have the written law. So they don't have the Ten Commandments. They don't have the Bible. But instinctively, as it says right there, they know to obey it. We know we're not supposed to murder. We know we're really not supposed to lie. We know that we're supposed to um, honor our father, father and mother. These things that God is... Um, 
put inside of us. He's written on our hearts. Look at verse 15 there. It says, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. So with this warning device, we're able to tell right from wrong, guilt, um, shame, doubt, feelings of uneasiness, how we even respond at times, or fear. And then just as it said in, in the 15, the verse 15, defending our actions in turn, giving us those feelings of pleasure when it puts us, with ease, puts us at ease, or it gives us those warnings of saying, pull up and pull up. You know, when I um, was a young believer, check that, when, before I was a young believer, I, was a, I didn't get saved until I was 20. I was just a little, a little heathen, a little perv. It was terrible. I, um, it, it, you know, I had, and I really had a bad, I had bad language. You know, I was very creative with that word, yeah, that rhymes with junk. And I remember that um, I went to a, a motivational seminar. There was a guy there named Les Brown. Anybody ever heard of Les Brown from 30 years ago? He was uh, on the circuit. That's right. He was uh, like a motivational speaker. And Les Brown, and I was in this large audience, but he said it right to me, and it impacted me. He said, profanity is the strongest expression of a weak mind because you're replacing a foul word with one that would be appropriate. And I remember going, oh, wow. So God, at that point, after I became saved, around that time that I saw Les Brown, he repaired my conscience, made me highly aware of my words. So even to this day... I don't like to use bad language, not just because Ephesians 4.29 talks about that, right? Don't use any foul or abusive language. It bothers my conscience. I mean, we all know, isn't a, is, a, is a male dog a sire and a female dog's a, see, I won't say it. I'm just not going to say it. You know, and that's, it's one of those things for me personally that I don't um, like using um, that foul language. And ironically, I work at a, at a place that everybody has foul language, and it's not offensive to me. It just would bother my conscience if I was to use those things. So um, basically the conscience is what the soul is. Um, the conscience is what to the, soul, to the soul of what pain is to our bodies. If, if we didn't have pain, we would destroy ourselves. I know Doug has talked about the you know, leprosy or Hansen's disease as they call it. They used to think that the people just started to dissolve because of this disease. What, what leprosy is, I almost was going to put like a picture up there, and I said, no, I don't want to have nightmares or something. But these people, they literally lose the nerve endings in their hands, and they'll literally start erasing themselves because they can't feel themselves. And they'll, they'll rub their nose off, they'll rub their fingers off. I mean, it's, it's an awful thing. If we didn't have pain, it would, um, again, we would definitely be hurting ourselves. In the same way... If we didn't have a conscience, it is not going to be pretty. I mean, look, look at the world. You know, Satan has done such a good job of the world going down this path of, you know, they're doing unconscionable things, right? We've heard that. They are doing things that, um, you know, they say, the law of God is written on our hearts, right? The Ten Commandments, basically, just to, to put that just out in basic terms. And... The world says they know instinctively we shouldn't murder, but we have abortion. You know, we um, should honor our father, father and mother, and now we don't even have genders, evidently. And uh, 
So it's just that Satan's been very, very clever with this kind of stuff and what he's trying to accomplish. So, um, look, put that next paragraph up there. This is a, the conscience Puritan Richard Sibbes wrote in the 17th century is the soul reflecting upon itself, conscious is at the heart of what distinguishes the human creature. People, unlike animals, can contemplate their own actions and take moral self-evaluations. That is the very function of conscience. Guys, the world, um, you see the difference there. He mentions unlike animals, animals have instincts. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to be gentle with this. Our country, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I know our country is just gaga over animals. No, don't get me wrong. I don't think that they should be abused and, um, and all these things that they do with animal testing and stuff. But, I mean, animals, they're just animals. You know, think about when Adam and Eve sinned, immediately God sacrificed an animal. And obviously we know now it's a foreshadowing of Christ. He sacrificed an animal to cover them in their shame because all of a sudden their eyes were open to their conscience. You wonder about when, what their conscience was feeling before that ate the, they ate the apple there that day because they would have had the law of God written on their heart. And uh, so I think it's important that um, we just understand that animals have their place. And it seems generally that people that are super high animal activists are generally pro-choice. Pro-choice. I just, I don't understand that their animals are more important than human beings. And um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little more as we go because I want to come back on that. Um, real quick, the Holy Spirit inside of a believer is not the conscience. I just talked about that. Listen to this real quick. The conscience is an inner, inner human faculty corrupted by sin and the fall. And the Holy Spirit is the divine agent God uses to begin his redemptive work in a believer. The Spirit takes someone who is dead to sin and they're darkened in their understanding to someone who has life and the eyes of their heart enlightened. I, um, as I was studying this, Isaiah 30, 21 came up. Uh, it says, your ears will have a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it uh, whenever you turn to the right or to the left. I've always interpreted that verse, um, you know, and I think even in the training center, we address that more of a Holy Spirit thing. But I could see how it could apply to the conscience. And the reason I bring it up is as I was doing my study, somebody, when talking about the conscience, mentioned this verse. But uh, Isaiah 30, 21, that, uh, you know, we should be listening. And again, when we're coming up against stuff um, in our lives, you, you need, we need to get to that point where we're heeding um, what it's telling us. So point two. So can you damage the conscience? And if so... How can you attempt to repair it? So we, I kind of uh, rethought that question after we had um, made those notes. But of course, as we've already talked about, because of sin in the fall, absolutely our consciences, and even somebody mentioned it this morning, searing your conscience. You know, when we, um, um, I don't want to get ahead of my notes. It's already rough as it is, right? Um, in a word, though, yes, you can absolutely damage your conscience. And by doing things that you ought not to be doing, and again, I think I'm preaching to the choir. A lot of us know a lot of this stuff. I'm hoping you young people are kind of relating to this thing that, you know, when you're around your parents, you know, sometimes when you get in trouble, what's our immediate reaction as a, as a child sometimes? It's why, right? You're trying to protect yourself. I don't want to get in trouble. And um, I would just encourage you to humble your heart, tell the truth, 
and uh, suffer whatever consequences your grace-filled parents would give you. So, uh, um, but anyhow, Jeff last week was uh, talking a lot about wisdom, and if you didn't have a chance to hear Jeff's message, he knocked it out of the park. It was fantastic on wisdom. And, uh, but ironically, I was thinking of it because I had already had uh, Proverbs 26 picked out, that um, if anybody's ever read the first 12 verses of Proverbs 26, it is graphic against foolish people. And he's talking specifically about unbelieving foolish people. Um, I, I'm, you're going to read it this week as one of your daily readings, but let me sum up just a few verses. It says in verse 3, he said, The whip is for a horse and a bridle for a donkey and the rod for the back of fools. Now listen to this. It slides down to the last two verses. It says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. But there is more hope for a fool than for people who think they're wise. What does our world think they are? They think they're so wise. Where's the only true wisdom come from? Right? If it's not in the Word of God, guys, I'm telling you, everything that we hear in here, out there, wherever you are, needs to be filtered through the Word of God. That's why we really emphasize here to, to be in the Word on a regular basis. If you're not informing your, yourself, and today we're talking specifically about the conscience, you're going to come up against stuff, and it's going to be challenging to you. you you're going to feel that, and you're not going to sure what to do with it. So um, the conscience, is, it, but it is. It's only as good as the information you, you feed it. You know, if you, if you get bad information out in, bad information out. Um, that, let's go to that Timothy uh, real quick. All right. So Timothy, this is 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul talking to his uh, disciple. It says, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. Verse 19, it says, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among those, Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. Blaspheme, which commandment would that be related to in the Bible? Isn't that the first commandment, right? Don't uh, use the Lord's name in vain. Interesting how, I mean, Paul thinks this stuff's pretty important. He's handing them over to Satan because whatever they're doing, it's uh, their conscience, they violated their conscience, went over the line, Paul got them. Well, Satan did. So, you know, um, that also, it's interesting, Doug, you went with a, with a sailboat this morning. Because in my little notes here, it says, A good conscience is the rudder that steals, steers a believer through the rocks. You know, I thought, actually, and I almost, just, I almost was just going to omit this when you mentioned the sailboat, but I'm going to go with it. Because in our vernacular, a good, you know, a steering wheel will direct your vehicle. And think about, we're looking back on uh, that verse 19, that some didn't keep a good conscience and have suffered shipwreck or a car accident. Who's ever either been in a car accident or seen one in person? I mean, the carnage metal is very pliable at speeds, guys. It is, it is bad. Your lives are very pliable when you're going against your conscience and doing stuff you ought not to be doing. And I, and I say that with almost a little hypocrisy. You guys, I think you know me well enough. I'm not sitting up here telling you, oh, I got this all figured out. My conscience is... Uh, no. 
It, um, it is one of those things that I think, and the reason, again, this is a, a very narrow scope. We don't talk about this kind of stuff on this type of level, but I felt very compelled just to talk to us about this internal warning device that God has given us, and then at the end here, we're going to apply that to our brothers and sisters in Christ in the world. So, um, yeah. So, in the calling passage, I'm going to ask you guys, um, that was on uh, 1 Corinthians. I'm going to put a little feet to that and give you a little story. This older believer, who's been a believer for a long time, is taking this younger believer, newly converted believer in Jerusalem, to witness to a guy at his home. He shows up at their home, and this guy comes out, the host, who's a non-believer, says, man, I'm so excited you guys are here. I just got some of this great meat down at the meat market at the temple. And he goes, give me a second. I've got to do something in the kitchen. He leaves the room. The young believer turns to the old believer and says, man, I can't eat that meat. He says, hey, dude, we're trying to witness to this guy. What are you, what are you talking about? This is for Jesus. He goes, no, I'm telling you, man, I, 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 that stuff, I just came out of that. It's awful. He goes, you know gods aren't, those aren't real gods. We only worship the real true God. Here's the question. We're talking about saving a soul from hell, potentially, if that was really completely up to us, or honoring our brother's thing. Now, there's been a lot of reading this morning, but how many in here would say that we should go ahead and stay there and witness to the guy? Okay. That's what it sounds like, right? And that was my answer, to be honest with you, several years ago. But that's not the right answer. The right answer is you tell, and even means you're going to tell your host, you say, you know what, Mr. Host, um, my friend here just came out of an idolatrous um, religion. He's come to Christ now, and it makes him super uncomfortable to eat the meat. So if you're not offended, offended we're, we're going to go ahead and go, because it would bother him even if I ate it in front of him. You know, so you're taking that, 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 that chance that you're offending this non-believer, but you're also taking the chance that you're teaching the younger believer to violate his conscience. Now he comes up against it. His body's saying, pull up, pull up, pull up. And you're saying, no, oh, no, 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 it's okay. Step over it. And now you just got him used to what that feels like. That's not best, right? So... I, um, I heard that story all those years ago, and, you know, and if anything else, that, um, that host would say, wow, that was kind of awkward, but look how they love each other, mm-hmm. you know? So God, God has these things and these reasons that he does things, and again, we don't have to necessarily understand it, but we do have to uh, heed it, or at least we should. That brings us to the first and only talking points question. All right, so at your tables... So if it is possible to damage our conscience, how can we start to repair it? I want you guys to tell me. I do have a crayon. Look at that. Um, what are some of the things that we can do, and you guys can just start popcorn them out, to, that if we're um, having trouble, that we think our, you know, we, well, I'm sure all of us know our conscience on a certain level is, is not perfect, right? But what can we do on a regular basis as believers to help our conscience um, get better or be improved? Okay, prayer, right? Go to the Father and get on your knees and beg him, right, to help you with this. What else? The word. Fellowship with believers. Oh, wow. You get all the right answers, guys. This is great. <laughs> mm, that's excellent. Stop doing whatever has caused your conscience to be Nice. That's huge, guys. Admit you're wrong? Mm. I love that. 
You know, that's, that's great, guys. I appreciate that. I don't know if you, hopefully you all all heard that. Be in the Word of God, prayer, ask God to help you with this, fellowship with other believers. Um, I have also down, what are you doing in the in-between times? Sunday morning's great, and I, I actually encourage it, and I'm here most of the time. Just kidding. But during the week, actually, guys, there's 100, and in our church's case, only like 158 hours. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, 163 hours, uh, you know, if you're here four or five hours on a Sunday. Um, but no, we're here in the grand scheme of how much time there is during the week. You know, Sunday mornings is just a sliver. You know, so, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about social media and some of those other things in a minute. But what you're doing during the week of what, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What's your social feed or even just avoiding that? Because those are the things that a lot of times, a lot of the, I mean, most of the social media, yes, we can use it for good. Uh, but a lot of that stuff is the, the thing that the very thing we're trying to combat by not um, having to influence our consciences and who we are. So we already talked about, um, hold on just a second. You know, it was uh, along those lines, and it's not a big deal, but first, um, sorry, John 15, staying connected to the vine. I don't know, that just rang true. If you haven't read that chapter lately, John 15, the vine, just staying connected to, uh, to the Lord. But along all those lines of what we were just saying of things that you can help your walk um, and, and, and admitting it. There's people, there's people in this room, you know, that uh, are saying, I don't have a problem with this. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine with God. Everything's good. You're not fine. You know, we're all desperate people that um, need a savior. So, and I'm talking about the cross. I think about last weekend in Mexico, the one the guy said, he kept pointing to the cross, and his point in that was, okay, now let's move beyond the cross and the freedom to live for Christ. But some of you aren't past even the cross of understanding, bow your knee and submit to a God who loves you and a God that cares about you, a God that died for you. And, um, and that's really the place that life is going to come from. It's not going to come from any of this stuff in the world. So, and C-R-A-P is not a bad word, but I did hold back. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. So if we're informing our conscience on a regular basis with association with the believers, you know, what we're doing in, in the weeks be between, um, what we're filling our minds with, you know, you'll have a lot better shot of handling some of those gray areas in your life when you're, when you're um, out there and you're, and you're either being affirmed and saying, okay, this is okay, or pull up, pull up, pull up. Um, point three, as we um, kind of start to, to get this thing done, so how might we apply the gospel of Romans and our attitudes and actions to the people around us? So if you, if you guys look back at the text, and um, it says, now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Um, I don't need to all, read all this over again, that you know, some are weak and they don't want to eat vegetables, some do, and don't pass judgment on the one that does, and don't pass judgment on the one that, that does want to eat vegetable, or meat. But just be sensitive to each other that you're not pushing your stuff on them. Um, you know what I did find uh, interesting as I was um, reading through this? is Paul never says a word about where they're putting their money. 
You know, so many of the things that, um, that we um, deal with in our, in, our, in our Christian worlds is the judgment that goes on if somebody walks in with a Starbucks or somebody likes Disney or Halloween. I mean, I know that Halloween has its roots in very bad stuff, but, you know, for, for my family, it was, the kids got candy, they dressed up in costumes that were appropriate, and we had a fire pit in the front you know, driveway and gave candy out and visited with the neighbors. I understand it's ultra-sensitive to people, um, but I just think it can be such a divider at times. And, I, and I'm, talking about, I'm talking about all this stuff. You know, um, I, can't, I can't possibly start shop at Target, right? They're so woke. Uh, but I know people, I know believers who love Target. And it's, it's just, there's just too much... Um, subjective. That's why I was talking at the beginning about the layers and stuff that, um, that we have and how we need to give each other a break. We need to give ourselves grace. We're not all going to agree on everything. And unless it's a demonstrative sin issue and it's not a gray issue that really the, the, the Bible isn't clear on Target or not or Starbucks or not. And, you know, so... You know, and if it's a different issue of, you know, finances or health or, or whatever, that's, that's different. You can go lovingly to a brother or sister and talk to them about it. But some of that stuff, I guess I'm just saying maybe we just need to chill that a little bit because the world's hard enough as it is without us backbiting on each other, um, worrying about stuff just that in some cases just doesn't matter. But at the same time, if it's bothering your conscience and you feel comfortable to go talk to your brother or sister about it, you guys talk about it and have grace with each other, you know, maybe that's what you do. You know, I don't know what all that looks like, um, but verse 7, I did want to talk about this and about how the gospel applies. Real quick, verse 7 says, uh, For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. The Christian life was never meant to live for ourselves. Um, our comfort, our desires, our felt needs are not the primary focus. And I, again, I feel so hypocritical saying that sometimes because... My life is pretty uncomfortable. It was pretty convicting down in Mexico last week, and I'd been there a couple times before, but these people literally have nothing. You know, I mean, it's such a dark place, but I will tell you, it is obvious where Jesus is because those spots shine. It's an amazing thing. And if you ever, like Christian talked about it, if you have a chance to go down, it was relatively safe. No, I'm kidding. It was perfectly safe. Um, it, was, it was a great time. Um, just to reflect, and you know, between the, Me the Mexico trip and me talking, to, preparing for this message, um, I went together in about 15 minutes. Um, it was, uh, it's just been, it's been a good week. You know, the, the pastor and I talked, and I don't know about Doug, that I was just feeling a little dry in my bones a little bit, you know, and just feeling a little bit thing. It was a, a rejuvenating couple weeks. I mean, so I'm uh, praying that um, I'll. Uh, have another reason to be excited here soon. I'm, I don't need another reason. We have Jesus, you know, the light that uh, is the light of the world. So our Christian life was never meant to be lived for us. When we accept Christ, we die to ourselves and we live for him. Um, and then, you know, you look at following that up with uh, verse 8. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Everybody's going to live forever, guys. You know, you've heard it said from this, from this pulpit before that it's just a matter of address. Everybody's going to live. Right now, we're living with our sin suits on uh, for Christ. And when we, and our physical bodies die, we're going to be living with him in, the, in heaven. 
Right now the world is living um, dead, dead as a doornail, right? Ephesians 2, dead in our trespasses and sins, just dead as the day is long, and, they're, and so hopeless. And, uh, they're, but they're gonna, it's going to be bad. And we just need to keep that prayerfully in mind of, of when you sense that opportunity, when your conscience or the Holy Spirit, whichever one it is, is prompting you, just open your mouth and trust that the Lord's gonna, it's going to make it okay. Just trust the Lord. Um, in verses uh, 10 through 13 there, it says, we are judging and putting stumbling blocks in our brothers and sisters' way without even knowing it. I kind of already mentioned that. I actually jumped a page the last page on some of what I said, so now i got to kind of sort this out for a second. Um, besides, you know, in verse, I thought it was interesting that in verse 11, it says, uh, as I live, says the Lord, even uh, as the Lord, every knee shall bow uh, to me, and every tongue shall give praise to me. So then um, each one of us will give an account for himself. Luke, put up that last one for me, please. There it is. All right. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it to become, it, it show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. God, th th that verse, obviously, you can see that last part there is a saving grace. That if you're a sealed believer in Christ, you're okay with God. And we all know, as we were just talking about Ephesians, 10, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, though, the gospel, really, it's a nice little read there. If you haven't read that lately, Ephesians 2, 10, sorry, 2, 1 through 10, that we are, um, lost my total train of thought there. You know, it's like my mind sometimes, I may have told you guys, it's like uh, if you could picture a beach and there's a canopy on the beach and the wind's blowing, that could be my mind. And it blows under the canopy and I think about it, then it blows right by. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a strange place up there. <laughs> if, any's man, if any man's work is burned up. So what it's talking about, we're stone cold dead, thank you God. We're stone cold dead in our sin until we come along. Our lives are wake, woken up by the God of the universe through the Holy Spirit, right? At that point now, our life automatically flip-flops into what am I doing working for the Lord? Not for my salvation, but as evidence of my salvation. And that looks different for all of us. That could be, you know, I mean, I'll just take some of the, the tasks around here. It could be getting coffee. It could be doing the bulletins. It could be... Thank you, music team, faithfully every single week. I appreciate you guys. Uh, Doug, so often up here so much. This is not easy. I know it's getting, after 10 years, your prep is, looks way different than mine. Um, but I just uh, appreciate all these things. And we all have our, our roles, hopefully. And if you don't, try to find a place to fit in. You know, ask me. Ask one of the elders. Ask one of the leaders. There's, there's stuff that could be done, and it's not this big, grandiose stuff. But even still, just being faithful, you know, with your family. If, if you have young kids right now, your ministry is probably your family, you know. I don't invest any time in my family anymore. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, uh, it's just different. And I, I, I really like the different. I didn't like it when they were small. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> You're digging it, John. <laughs> no, I mean, my, my kids would truly be screwed up if it wasn't for my wife, though. Thank the Lord for her. 
So anyhow. Um, so yeah, all the things that uh, influence us, whether it be the, the social media or the, um, you know, whatever those things are, you know, I would just encourage you guys to have hearts that, you know what, I'm going to ask the music team up because I'm about to land this plane, as somebody says up here so often. I actually had a different thing. What was I going to say? Hey, I got to get out of here. Hey, one thing I just wanted to tell you guys. Let's look real quick. This is perfect. I asked them to come up here. Verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in our brother's way. If I would have been just a skosh more on it, so I'm not a last-minute person. You can ask my wife. I've thought about this for a month or more. But I, I have 21 verses here. I just typed in the search bar in one of my little Bible apps, love one another, and 21 verses popped up. And when I read that, that don't put a stumbling block, and so, you know, some of the other stuff that I talked about, you know, this, command, this, this I command you, this is John 15, 17, right? And those that, that abide, that you love one another. And this one's one after another, 21 verses, love one another, love one another, love one another. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll, if you guys want that, let me know, and I'll try to get you a copy of that. But it is just really, really super critical, guys, that as the body of Christ, that we love one another, that we actually act like we love one another. And uh, I know it's not always easy. I know, I think I've told you guys this before, that Kim and I getting in some intense fellowship, and, uh, you know, I can still, she's walking away, and we're all disgruntled. I say, thanks, God. I love that woman. You know, and... That's just a heart for, um, for the things of Christ, right? And uh, anyhow, so I'm, I'm going to pray, and um, we're going to wrap this thing up. God, I just thank you. I thank you that um, hopefully some modicum of what, I, uh, that what you wanted the people to hear got heard. I, um, Lord, I'm just uh, a simple guy. And as my pastor reminded me this week, just keep it simple. And um, I'm hoping that's what happened. So not, not for me, Lord, but for your glory. So I just, uh, again, lift up our little church here, and I just thank you for the souls that are here and anybody that might be online. We miss seeing you if you weren't here. And I just thank you for um, all you're doing here. Thank you for the people in Mexico and what's going on down there. And thank you for all the ministry leads here and the people that serve and uh, just all the people that come here, Lord, that even if they're not serving, know that they're loved and it's okay. We all have our stuff we're dealing with, Lord. So I just, again, lift up that you would uh, revitalize, make anew our consciences, Lord, that if there's something that we need to work on, that you would prick us and help us um, start um, fixing that by turning to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you, God, so much. In Jesus' precious name, amen. <laughs>